Well, good morning, everyone. He is risen. Amen. We have a couple announcements. Um, Women's luncheon is coming up. Make sure you sign up in the sign-up sheet. And it's not just for secret sisters. It's, it's for any woman. Any woman, okay, can sign up and go to it. And uh, also, check your secret sister's basket if you are a secret sister to see if you have anything in there, okay? Those are the right announcements, I believe. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and how we thank you for your love your love that was expressed so completely in your Son, Jesus Christ, that through him we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. Through him we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Through him we have the promise of heaven. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that on this Resurrection Sunday you would come and meet with us and speak to us through your word and through your spirit. And I ask, Father, that you would truly hide me behind your cross Remove all pride, remove all arrogance, and just let me speak humbly your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, it's interesting, I was thinking earlier, and you're probably surprised to think I was thinking, but anyway, I was thinking earlier, I remember uh, when I was a senior in college, I was a science major, when I was a senior in college, I had come to the conclusion I probably knew everything. Then I went to graduate school, and I wasn't sure I knew everything. And then when I got to postgraduate school, I realized I didn't know anything. Because what God has shown us and what he has given us by his love cannot be discerned by human intellect. It's discerned by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And if you think about it just in a logical way, really, think about this. Nothing comes from nothing. There's nothing that can come from nothing. It's impossible, right? And... Also, we think of the law of thermodynamics, which tells us everything goes from order to chaos, not from chaos to order. I mean, really, doesn't that make sense? And so we have to understand that the only way we could have what we have if there was someone outside of our time and space dominion. dominion, dominion. Anyway, um, I love the first verse of the Bible. In the Hebrew, it goes like this, Beda Bedashid Elohim. And that means simply, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Elohim. And all things that we see, all things that we experience, all that we are is from God. That is the only explanation of how something could become created by someone. Understand, nothing comes from nothing. We had to have been created by the Lord. And so we have to realize that why did God have to go through everything he did? And, and why did he have to die on a cross and rise again? It's for this reason, brothers and sisters, it's love. Because when God created us, as his special creation, he wanted us to freely love him. And love can only be expressed in choice. For instance, when my wife and I were dating, well, she wasn't my wife then, but when Vi and I were dating, if I would have gone to her and said, well, I'll tell you what, either you marry me and love me, or I will burn your house down with you in it and all your family. Now, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. But the point I'm getting, the only way love could be expressed is freely. And so when my wife said to me, I love you, that was awesome. And I could tell her I loved her, 
because it was a free expression. And so when God created Adam and Eve, he put in them the ability of free expression. And so they had the ability to either accept or reject his love. And of course, they rejected his love at the beginning, and that's the reason we had the whole fall of man. And throughout all scripture, God is trying to redeem man back to himself, to bring us back to our relationship with him. And then finally, the only solution, because we are, I don't know about you, I recognize I'm a sinner, for we we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I never one time wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm not a sinner anymore. Every morning I wake up, and I'm thankful for God's grace and mercy because I am a sinner. But because of our free will choice, God had to bring us to a place where we would freely commit our lives to him. And that's the reason Jesus Christ came to earth in the beginning. He came that he might be our example of God becoming man and that he would die on a cross sacrificially for our sins. Understand, when he hung on that cross, it was for nothing he did, but it was for everything we did. And when he hung there, he hung there not because anyone was forcing him or not because of the nails. He hung there because of love. God so loved us. It's absolutely amazing. Now, It's wonderful to have the assurance of eternal life. Because in the flesh, do you understand, in the flesh, everything is futile. You know, especially those of us that are getting older, you think of all the things that you do to try to stay young and not die. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you use all kinds of creams, and you maybe do surgeries, and you do all these different kinds of things, all this stuff to try to live eternally. But guess what? You're going to die. Barring your rapture, every single one of you are going to die. I'm going to die. In fact, I'm closer to it than most of you. But there has to be something beyond this life to give us hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we not only do not have to fear death, but listen, we not only don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear life. Many people fear life. Oh, what's going to happen? Look at the political environment. What if this conspiracy happens? What if that conspiracy happens? What if someone tries to come to my house and take my food and I have to shoot him? You understand what I'm saying? How silly is that? God is in control. And I not only don't have to fear death, I don't have to fear this life because I belong to Jesus Christ. And I know for me to be absent from this body, I'm going to be present with him. That's the promise we have by his death and resurrection. By his death, we are forgiven our sins, and by his resurrection, we have the promise of our own resurrection to eternity. Man, can you imagine being in his marvelous presence? Vi and I have been reading through the first five chapters of Revelation, reading it over and over again, And you just think, when you read that, you think about being in his presence, what it's going to be like. Nothing that you and I can even imagine, because our minds are finite, not infinite. We're very finite. You know, we think we have all these broad minds and these wild thoughts, but all of our humanity is contained in all of our thoughts. But God has given us something beyond what this life can even imagine. One day, we're going to stand before the throne of God. I mean, do you understand that? the four living creatures, the 24 elders, and the thousands upon thousands of angels, it's all real. We're going to be there someday, worshiping God with them. It's a beautiful promise. 
I'm going to have you going through some scriptures this morning. So first, turn to 1 John. First, turn to 1 John. And I don't mean John Marziel, but just 1 John. <laughs> in chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and go to verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 and go to verse 4 right off. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Listen, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith isn't just some empty promise or some you know, empty thought that we have in our life. Faith is real. It's tangible. And our faith is in the living God. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, Jesus Christ's resurrection was a stamp of approval that God accepted his sacrifice for your sins and mine. If Jesus would have, been, would have died and remained in the grave, it wouldn't, you know, his death would have meant nothing. It would have been like any sacrifice, any animal sacrifice that the Israelites did. But he rose on the third day as described in Scripture, as it was promised, not just in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, that he would rise on the third day. And so he rose from the dead, giving victory over death. And he has promised that anyone who calls upon his name would have that same victory. Death no longer has dominion over us. What a great promise that is. Now, his death and resurrection is also, understand this, it's very profound in the very fact of the way the God works. In other words, it's through faith. It's not through religion. So many people want to come to a relationship with God through religion. And religion is not of the Lord. And many people who maybe have never heard that before are thinking, what are you talking about? Religion is man-made. It's man's attempt to have a relationship with God. But we live by faith. God reached down to man. And man, there's nothing we can do. There's no good works we can accomplish. There's no way we can live in order to earn our way to heaven. It's a free gift. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe all of your promises. Come in, forgive my sins, take over my life, fill my heart, Lord, and you have eternal life. It's a gift. You see, there's a verse of Scripture that talks about this. If you think you can earn your salvation, they call it wages in the Scripture, if you think you can earn your salvation, then it's not a gift. And if it's not a gift, then there's no love involved. Because it's not given sacrificially to you. You've earned it. But the fact is, there's none of us that can earn salvation. There's none of us that can earn a relationship with God. It is a free gift from him. In Romans chapter uh, 4, and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, for, for him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. So what this is telling us here is Abraham believed God. That's it. I just believe you, God, and that is counted to him as righteousness because it is faith. Now, if we think we can work for our salvation, then there are wages, and it's not grace. And so if you want to have a relationship with God because there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. 
It's a free gift. You just receive it. You know, as Jesus' um, death and resurrection, we have to realize both his death and resurrection were based on love. Love for you personally. You know, so many people, when they think of the love of God, they just think of it in some generic sense. Oh, God died for everybody. He did die for everyone, but he died for you personally. Scripture tells us he knew you by name. Before the foundations of the world were laid, he knew you. And so when Jesus Christ died on that cross, it's difficult for us to understand because we just are finite beings, but this infinite God, when he died on the cross, he knew every single one of you by name, including me. And that's why he died, out of love for us personally. You know, on one of our first trips to Israel, uh, and I'll never forget this, we went to the tomb where Jesus was laid. And uh, it was interesting because there is a tomb that they normally take tourists to, and it's not where Jesus was laid. Where we went was in a garden tomb like Joseph of Arimathea would have had. And this tomb had actually been guarded by the Anglican church for almost 200 years. They'd always had a presence there. And the interesting thing is, is that in this tomb, it's this, you know, opening you know, into this grotto, this tomb. And other tombs around there, you can see the rocks. The rocks, they're round like a wheel, probably weighed two ton. And they had to, there was like a little dip in front of where the tomb would be. And so these big round rocks were there, and they would have pry bars, and they would have been probably wood, and they pried the, the, the rock until it rolled, and boom, sat in the stanchion. Well, there's no rock in front of that particular tomb. The other tombs around there, there are. No rock. Never, nowhere to be found. And when we walked in that tomb, that was just so overwhelming. And there was a sign there where they would have laid the body that said, he's not here, he's risen. He's not in a dead tomb, brothers and sisters. He's risen. He's alive. And we're forgiven. And his arms are open wide to each one of us. So what a beautiful thing it is as believers to not only not fear death, but to not fear this life as well. You know, um, it's so important what it tells us here in Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God uh, is for us, who can be against us? Think about that. This is Romans, if you're taking notes or you want to look, at, look it up, it's Romans 8 and it's verses 31 through um, 33. Romans 8, 31 through 33. Actually, 32. I'm just going to read through 32. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say uh, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Understand who God is. The omnipotent, almighty God. If he's for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, for you and I, how Shall he not, how shall we not with him, I'm sorry, how shall he not with him, in other words, he being God with him, Jesus Christ, also freely give us all things. So God has given us all things. And now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4.
2 Corinthians chapter 4 and go to verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Okay, starting with verse 13. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 of 2 Corinthians. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Listen, knowing, nostos, in the Greek, it's a fact. You know it. It's a certitude. It's not just some theory. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. We can know that. He raised Jesus from the dead. He's going to raise us up as well. What a beautiful promise that is. You see, the resurrection means we can trust in all the promises of God. I mean, what proof? What proof? Someone who rose from the dead on the third day. You know, to be absent from the body, whether in death or the rapture, okay, is to be present with him, with the Lord. And we have to realize that this world will not go unjudged, but judgment will come upon this whole world. Read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, you know, so many feel is, is a scary book. It's actually a book of warning. That's why it tells us everyone who reads this book, okay? And so there's a blessing on those who read it, those who hear it, and those who study it. And so I encourage you to study the book of Revelation. In fact, there's a good book on the counter there called The Book of Revelation Made Plain and Clear. I encourage you to get it. And, um, but anyway, if you study the book of Revelation, you see that God is going to bring judgment on this world, but before he does, he's taking us out of this world. You know, the scripture says that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord in relationship to death, but it also tells us that he is going to raise us up one day with glorified bodies to meet him in the air, to be with him forevermore. And that's when his judgment comes upon the world. And you might be thinking, well, isn't that hardened heart to think, well, you're going to escape. You're going to be, people say, why do you believe in that escape theory? Because the Bible says, pray that you're kind of worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the whole world and stand before the Son of Man. So do I believe in an escape theory? Yes. The Bible says so. So you and I as believers, we're going to escape. We're going to be gone out of the world before God's judgment comes. And his judgment comes right after the rapture. Now, we might be saying, well, isn't that harsh? No. This is a world that has rejected Christ over and over and over again. And when the rapture occurs and God's judgment falls on this world, Guess what? A lot of people, many people, come to the Lord. It'll probably be the greatest revival of ever. So even in the tribulation, God's love is manifested in the fact that many people come to salvation. Many. So many come to salvation that when the Antichrist wants to stamp out Christianity, he has to come up with a way of doing it, that whole mark. And anyone, the mark is the number of the beast and the number of a man. And so that mark is to say, I believe in the Antichrist, who is nothing but the incarnation of the devil in flesh. But for you and I, we, for those believers that are in the world at that time, they refuse the mark of the beast. They're going to lose their lives. But it's okay, because they'll be absolutely with the Lord at the moment of death. They'll be with the Lord. We close our eyes in death and we open them in eternity. It's a great promise of the Lord. You know, 
The difference between the believer and the unbeliever is hope. And hope removes fear. The resurrection, you understand, is not just a doctrine to believe. It's a fact. It's real. You know, so many people think, well, I belong to this church and that church. We have this doctrine. We have that doctrine. See, it's all man-made. We have the word of God. We stand on the word of God alone. On nothing else, not on the doctrines of men, not on you know some special theological you know order of, of uh, you know however they want to write their order of theology and so forth and their different doctrines and like that. We don't follow that. We just follow the Word of God. It's that simple. Man has made confusing what should have been and was meant to be so simple. You believe in God, you have eternal life. You're going to be with Him forever and forever. And that's what I love in, uh, in what it tells us in, in, uh, in Romans. You know, it talks about the fact that what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all? How shall we not with him also freely give? How he shall not freely give us all things. He gives us all things. He gives us eternal life. He gives us the, the peace and the joy that we have in this world. You know, the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is hope. And hope removes fear. Um, people who have hope have a completely different attitude than people that have no hope. If you remove hope from people, they just become... Um, they, they have absolutely no emotion at all. They're just depressed and frightened and so forth. There always has to be hope. And God gives us that hope. That despair doesn't have to overtake us, but we have hope in Jesus Christ. And believers, um, it's such a wonderful thing to know that the promises of God are so essential and so eternal that we never lose them. As a believer... You belong to Jesus. And the reality is that neither height nor death nor angels nor principalities, there's nothing that can remove us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, you have God's love resting upon you, giving you the assurance of eternal life in heaven. And, uh, and what I just quoted is from Romans uh, 8.36, if you take notes. And uh, the resurrection was God's acceptance of Christ's full payment. Full payment for all sin, for all time, for all people. That was his mark of acceptance, the resurrection. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. And Pastor Frank Jr. covered a lot of this in the first service as well. And when you get a chance, you want to watch his uh, uh, teaching on YouTube and on, or the Green, um, you know, the Green Calvary Chapel uh, webpage. His teaching was, was spectacular. I encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians, first go to uh, chapter 15, verse 3. And 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 first. And then we're going to be in Corinthians for most of the rest of the time together. 1 Corinthians 15, go to verse 3. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins. Notice what it says, according to the Scriptures. Now, understand, when Paul was writing this, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. He's talking about Old Testament Scriptures that verified that Jesus would rise on the third day 
And he says, according to the scriptures, verse 4, and that he was buried and, he, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now go down to verse 12 of chapter 15. Go down to verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of, dead, of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, from, from, uh, he raised up Christ whom he did not raise if, in fact, the dead do not rise. Verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those, listen to verse 18, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There's no resurrection. When they die, you're done. That's it. Verse 19. If in this life, we, uh, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, Adam turned from God. Even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Christ paid the debt that Adam committed, bringing sin into the world. Verse 23. But each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And then in verse 42, go down to verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. 42. So also is the resurrection of the, of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Eternal life we have through him. Now go to verse 50 verse 50 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit the incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. In the Greek, the word there is mysterium. In other words, it means to make known, which formerly was not known. And he says, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That's talking about death. Okay? Uh, but we shall all be changed. That's the rapture. The moment of the rapture, the dead in Christ rise first. After that, we who are left and still alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now understand, so many people have misunderstood this in some of the movies you watch on the rapture and so forth. They say the rapture boom, is invisible like that. It doesn't say that. It says we're changed in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to look at a verse of scripture a little bit later where it's prophesied that, we're, that we, the disciples watched Jesus go up. 
And that's the same way it's going to be. When we are raptured, the whole world's going to watch us go up. But our change will be instant when we put off this immortal body, I mean this mortal body and put on immortality. It's going to be in an instant. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Listen to this. Death is swallowed up in victory. What a message. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How wonderful, brothers and sisters, when we read this, to have no fear of death or the demonic influence of this world. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14 it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. What a promise that is. Excuse me, my conclusion is found in Acts chapter 1, if you want to turn there. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 9. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, in other words, they were watching him go up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So in the same way they watched Jesus go up, when Jesus comes for his church, it'll be a visible rapture. The change will be instantaneous. I mean, we don't want to see our body go, Pastor Frank was talking about metamorphosis, and we don't want to see our body go through all that. In an instant, we're going to have our glorified bodies. So what does the res- resurrection mean for believers? It means life eternal with our God and creator, Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 2 and verses 11 through 14, this is the last um, portion we're covering. If you want to turn to that, Titus chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, starting with verse 11. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Well, what about someone in, in some other part of the world? His grace has appeared to all men. Nature itself teaches of the glory of God. So that's not something for us to worry about. It tells us here, um, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. What love. What love. And you know, if there's anyone here who's never accepted that love, if there's anyone here who's, who's never really committed their life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you might be here and you are a believer, but you've kind of been 
you know, really haven't been full charge ahead with the Lord. You've been kind of backsliding. Today's the day to make a decision for the Lord, either in salvation or in recommitment. I'm so thankful that the Lord saves anyone because otherwise I wouldn't be saved. And I'm so thankful that the Lord's grace and mercy is not just when we're born again, but is even in our walk because there's so many times I've needed his grace and mercy, believe me. And I'm so glad and so thankful that one day I'm going to leave planet Earth without a spaceship. (laughs) And I'm going to meet the Lord in the air. I mean, just logic teaches us Because we are body, soul, and spirit. We all know that, right? We're body, soul, and spirit. We all recognize that this body is, is, is corruptible, as we read in 1 Corinthians. But our soul, who is who we are, our self identity, our personality, is never lost. And our spirit is that which has relationship with God. So in heaven, you're not going to get there and say, Who am I? Who are you? When you get to heaven, you're going to know exactly who you are and who others are. You shall know and be known, Scripture tells us. But one day, we're all going to have glorified bodies that will unite our soul, who, are, who we are, our identity, with a glorified body like Jesus had. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And you know the thing is? The good news is we're going to be raptured and meet the Lord in the air. And then another piece of good news is we're going to come back with him and reign on earth for a thousand years. And even better news, we're going to be with him for all eternity in the new Jerusalem. I mean, as a believer, it goes from good to better to best. And so I really encourage you, if you've never committed your life to Christ or you need to recommit your life to Christ, do it today. Talk to me, talk to Pastor Frank Jr. or any mature believer, and we'd be happy to pray with you and encourage you in the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for this celebration that we call Resurrection Sunday. And Father, what it means to us is eternal life and peace and joy and hope. And so I pray, Father, that you would work in the hearts of each one that is here, encouraging those who have a strong faith and also convicting those who need to repent and also encouraging those who need to be saved, that they would give their lives to you. And so, Father, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday, for this gathering and for this time we have together. And bless each one in this fellowship with the knowledge of you throughout the day and also the wonderful times, the joyful times, the pleasant times they're going to have with family and friends. So now, Father, come by your Holy Spirit and dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends.